Hello and welcome to the Medic Today podcast. In this episode, we are joined by Dr. Hannah Ali, whom, after completing her medical degree, chose to explore the non-traditional graduation route and dive straight into the digital health industry. Moving to Berlin, she ran the medical department for a young startup and is now the founder and CEO of her very own digital health venture, Gaia Medical. She is on a mission to create online therapy solutions for Iraq and other countries in the MENA region. She is also the webmaster and UX designer at The Disillusion Medic. Hello, Hannah, and welcome to the Medic Today podcast. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm excited to hear about everything about you, your journey, how you've got to where you've gone to today. I know I've spoken to you before. I'm just so excited to hear about it sort of raw and authentically. Thank you so much. That's such a nice introduction. Um, and I'm really excited to be here. This is actually my first podcast. So well, I'm hey. as well. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So we'll jump right in and it would be wonderful if you could share a little bit um, about who you are for our listeners. Maybe a bit about everything that you do and really how you've gotten to where you are today. Yeah, so I never know whether to start from where I'm at now or from the very beginning. <laughs> well, okay, so let me start from the beginning. I was actually, I won't give you my whole life story, but I was born in Iraq and I moved to the UK when I was five. And I was essentially late, uh, raised in London. And since, gosh, since like the age of 13 or 14, I remember working my off to get into med school and it was like all I wanted and I just honestly remember so much of my childhood being you know working hard at school getting good grades doing the work experience everything mm. I needed to do and I ended up getting into Manchester Medical School the first time I applied and it was the only one I got into but I was so excited because I really wanted to go to Manchester and the day that our A-level results came out, because I'm not sure how it works now, but you get, un- uh, you get conditional offers based on your A-level results. Mm. And the day that my A-level results came out, the, I'd gotten A's for everything except chemistry, where I dropped one UMS, which was like one, half a mark. Wow. I remember being so incredibly devastated because I'd worked so hard to get in in the first place and yeah. medics know how difficult it is to get in. But I I called and I pled and I was actually in Iraq at the time and I remember like the phone bill coming up and costing so much. Wow. Because we just kept calling Manchester Medical School and <laughs> seeing if there was anything they could do. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately they couldn't or fortunately rather. And I had to then decide what to do. So I decided to take a year out, retake the chemistry A-level and then reapply. But actually, you know, it's difficult enough to get in the first time, but reapplying is also limits your options because not every medical school accepts A-level retakes. Mm -hmm. So I could only apply to a handful and I'd applied to Liverpool. And luckily enough, I got into Liverpool but the, the funny thing is, when I had gotten in, I just there was a distinct difference in the way that I felt between when I got into Med, uh, to Manchester and when I'd got into Liverpool. Wow. Um, it was kind of like, I, for Manchester, I was incredibly excited, so happy. And for Liverpool, I felt anxious. And I think my family were more excited than I was. And I, I feel like that was the first time that I ever, like looking back, 
think to myself, oh, that was my gut telling me something. Wow. Yeah. Do you think that was a, like a geographic thing or it was deeper than that? I mean, at first I thought it was a geographic thing, although Manchester and Liverpool are really close to one another. It's Mm. only like a 40 minute train ride, if that. So it wasn't like, it was still far away from home. It was fairly roughly the same region of the world, uh, of the, sorry, country. (laughs) Um, And so I I don't know, at the time I was like, no, I really wanted to go to Manchester. It's a cool city. But looking back, it probably was a bit more than that. Mm. But yeah, so I ended up going to Liverpool and the first couple of years I really did enjoy it. But I think within my third year, I started to like have, you know, doubt started to slide in. I wasn't quite sure if it was the route that I wanted to take for the rest of my life. And I think by the fourth year and fifth year, my mental health started to really deteriorate and my sanity was just, Mm. I was losing grip on reality. Um, And it it was really, really difficult to decide what to do because since third year people kept telling me oh it's just another two years it's just another two years get to just finish the degree and then two years of f1 f2 and then speciality training and it just felt like a conveyor belt Mm. um so i found it really hard to decide what it was i wanted to do but in the end i decided to take a year out move to berlin where i started working for a digital health startup and then reassess i reapplied for f1 at the end of the year got another job but I just I think by that point I just realized that it wasn't it wasn't it for me (laughs) or like traditional clinical route wasn't it for me Um, and I absolutely fell in love with digital health okay so a couple of points I want to draw on one is wow digital health yeah (laughs) The, the second one that gut feeling that you had yeah tell me a little bit more about about that what was that like it's so hard to, I mean, I, we, we all feel it, right? It's, it's an innate part of us, but it's something that I, I feel like is clearer on hindsight. So in the moment, you, you feel uncomfortable, but you often put it down to other things that are going on around you, whether it's anxiety, or I'm moving away to a different city, or I'm going to be not around my family, or I'm going to do something new. And you kind of put it down to other sorts of emotions that you're probably more familiar with. Mm. But when I feel like for me, when I look back, I recognize how much my body and my mind were telling me that this is probably not the best like direction for you. Yeah. Yeah. And that can show up in so many different ways yeah. for people, right? And it's so hard to question this yeah. feeling because we, you know, we, we probably overanalyze it. And like you said, there's emotions in that. So how was it for you to take on your gut feeling and therefore taking on everything that comes with making the decision to you know, to continue in digital health and, and not continue in clinical practice? Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly difficult. Not only, I think, as medics, do you spend years working towards something, but it really becomes a part of your identity. And it becomes like such a huge part of your life and who you are and what you do on a day-to-day basis that it's, it's almost like a breakup. <laughs> in a way and that's why it took me so long 
to decide what it was to do and to start slowly moving away from it. And even when I did, I didn't make, you know, a really hard cut and just say, okay, uh, I feel bad today. I'm leaving today. <laughs> it was yeah. like over the course of years. And then I had to try different things, but still keep it as an option in the background. And yeah. it's only now, I think like four years on that I'm starting to feel like really firm in my decision, but it really does take a long time. Yeah. I love how you put that as it's it's like having a breakup. Yeah. Because actually there 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 are a lot of emotions that there's a lot of psychology there's there's a lot to deal with and and work through because of the sheer number of years and sort of academic dedication <laughs> that yeah. we put into it but I'm going to presume that you're not looking back it's probably one of the best decisions you've made. Yeah, absolutely. For me, it was definitely one of the best decisions I made. I mean, I think it's so hard when you're 18 years old and have such a limited view of what you can do in life to to know what path fits you, what your date what you really want your day-to-day to look like, what you yeah. want your environment to look like, the culture around you. And these are just not things that I think we think about too much when it comes to in general applying to university, really. You're just thinking about the course and like the long-term goals and what you want to do in the long-term, but these granular environmental things aren't things that we think through. And it was only when I really started working in startups that I really started to think about how I wanted my day-to-day to look. Amazing. So why digital health? What, what sent you that way? What pulled you there? Well, I think it's funny because I say that <laughs> I essentially broke up with the clinical medicine side of things, but I think I wouldn't have made it to the, to, you know, I wouldn't have graduated and gotten my degree if I didn't enjoy medicine to a degree. Mm. So I do really love working in healthcare and I loved working, you know, in the capacity of a doctor, but it just, just clinical medicine wasn't the right route for me. And having an option to do it digitally turned out to be a really fantastic opportunity for me and something that really fit in with my personality and what I wanted from life because it gave me so much more flexibility. I felt like I could be so much more creative and work with so many different kinds of people and learn about the whole tech field, which is obviously booming right now. Yeah. So yeah, that's why that's kind of, it, it was a transition, but it's, it's still within the same field, just finding, I suppose, my niche within medicine. <laughs> So what have you discovered so far in digital health and what is it that you do today? Well, today I am the founder and CEO of my own digital health venture uh, called Gaia Medical. Well, hey. Well, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I still feel really weird saying that. I'm like, oh, I'm the founder and CEO. <laughs> Amazing. So odd to say it, but it's, it's a social enterprise We're building a mental health platform for Iraq and the Middle East and North Africa and basically creating an affordable mental health therapy service and educational service for pretty much, you know, the most underserved countries in the world or some of the most underserved countries in the world. And yeah, I I absolutely love what I do. I am so passionate about mental health. I'm so passionate about Iraq, obviously, in the Middle Eastern community, because that's my community. Mm. And at the same time, I still feel like I can, you know, work within the healthcare field, but in a way that doesn't de-energize me. Is that the right word? <laughs> like fills me with energy rather than drains me of it. Yeah, that is 
so inspiring. I mean, through the pandemic, we have all, to some level, we've all had to deal with our own well-being and particularly mental health issues because life just stopped. Things just changed and, and we were forced to, to be with how the world has been. And it's come to the forefront everywhere, the importance of, of well-being and particularly our mental well-being. So the fact that, one, you are the founder of your company, which is amazing. <laughs> Own it. <laughs> Two, to support, you know, countries that are underprivileged in that realm is just so powerful. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping so. I, I feel like we still have a really long way to go. And we actually started off as uh, trying to build up like a more general health education platform because public health in general isn't something very big or public health education is not very big in Iraq and it's not something that's as powerful as say the NHS. So that's where we started but the more we spoke to our community, the more we spoke to the people using our platform, the more we realized there was just like a gaping hole and Funnily enough, we just we just did a few applications for some grants and we had, I, th- I remember one of the stats that I came across from the World Health Organization is for in Iraq, for every 1 million people, there are less than six working psychiatrists and psychologists. And I cannot imagine how many people cannot access therapy or med- mental health, like professional mental health care. Wow. Yeah. So it's things like that that really like keep me going, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it, and it's these kinds of numbers that it really hits home. Yeah. It really and hits home. It's just it's it's really sad when you think about it as well because it's a region of the world that just keeps getting attacked (laughs) like no matter what there's something going on in the Middle East you know yeah and for the application we were also looking at um I was trying to find the years in which Iraq was going through war and conflict and I came across like a timeline and I would just keep going back and be like going back and back and back and back and it was like war after war after war after war and I think it was just insane it's more than 20 years of like continual war and conflict and all yeah and really no one's really doing anything to help and it's just it's really heartbreaking Mm, wow and as much as you know if we've not experienced that directly ourselves it's hard for us to really imagine what it's like but appreciating from the knowledge that we have the the kind of trauma that can leave people the families yeah well I'm really proud of what you've created you know I it's it really, you know, what it touches my heart that people, medics, ex-medics, they stand up and they really create things out there to support our people, to support our world, to support our communities. And that's what makes the world go round, in my opinion. It's <laughs> really, really lovely to hear. And I think you're right. Even, you know, as an ex-medic, I still felt that my day-to-day had to involve helping people in one way or another. That was one part that I don't think I could ever really let go of. Mm. And there are so many ways to do that, not just medicine. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So you made the decision, you went out there, you left medicine and you've now created your own organisation and it's moving, it's progressing you know, small steps, big steps, and it's happening. And I think that's one of the the biggest 
lessons, learning points that we can give to anybody out there, particularly medics who who will be listening, that, you know, trust your gut, which you did, and you just went with it. Yeah. Went with it. Absolutely. And it was more than I felt like, because straight after I had left to go to Berlin, I stayed with the digital health startup for about two years and then did a course and something else called UX design. And then I started working in Gaia Medical. But even the choice to leave that startup, even though it was such a good thing for me when I left, when I just left medicine, towards the end, that gut feeling came back, you know, and Again, it presented itself in different ways. It was, and this time around, it was like mild depression. It was anxiety. It was stress. But for me, I think what really hit the nail on the head was I was going to sleep every day, dreading waking up the next day wow. and having to work. And just living, literally just living for the weekend and not even the full weekend because come Sunday, and I'm sure loads of people can relate to this, Sunday, 5 p.m., <laughs> you're, you're like, ah, all you're thinking about is Monday morning. So I think I just, I just had to say to myself, like, is this how I want the rest of my life to be? Going to sleep, dreading the next day. And yeah, I decided that it wasn't. <laughs> and you know, that's, that's really important to note because I think, you know, as human beings, we, we are always learning, we're always growing. Mm-hmm. And really, you can only learn so much in one place, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. so it's, it's okay to, to experience something, love it, and yeah. then feel like, actually, I don't know if this is working for me anymore. Yeah. And you've probably learned everything that you could have in that time. And that's the, that's your body now telling you, Hey, it's time to move on. You know, it's time to step up. It's time to change, you know, tact or change direction. You're absolutely right. I mean, every single, I'm so grateful for every experience I've had, both negative and positive. I think what was just really difficult about medicine was that in comparison to the startup was that it didn't feel so easy to leave. You know, it didn't feel like I've had this experience. I've gained what I can Mm. from it. I've had a great time. And now I'm just going to pack my bags and go, Mm. which is how it was with the startup. But with medicine, it was like so much inner work had to go into leaving. Yeah. Wow. Where do you see yourself going? What's your ideal end point for, for Gaia Medical? Well, I'd love to, I mean, at the moment we're working on, launching you know like a test version of the online therapy that we have but I'd love to get to a place where we could truly create an easy to access and affordable online platform where people can come to for therapy for mental health education to get peer-to-peer support from the community as well and those are essentially the three pillars that we're working towards and basically just have a place to go because now it's not even like you know, the services themselves aren't great, but it's not even like, you know, they're just having bad, bad experiences and they want a cheaper option. They just don't have anywhere to go. So mm. if we can get to a place where we can offer people those three things and genuinely help people within that region, then I think I'm, I'm happy and I've, I've done my bit for, <laughs> yeah. for Iraq. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just so powerful. So 
And and just to draw on the fact that you also support uh, disillusioned medic. Yes. How did you how did you guys connect? So it's funny because after I had left, or you know, during the time in which I was deciding to leave. No one else was really doing that, especially not at the stage that I was in. You know, most people, if they choose to leave, they leave after F2, but no one really leaves straight after graduating. And so I didn't really have anyone to talk to. I just had the careers advisor (laughs) in the medical school, which bless her, I'm sure she did her absolute best, but just was not helpful because I think (laughs) she did not come across that sort of thing very frequently. So I felt like I didn't know who to speak to. No one else was in my position. Obviously, all my friends at the time were essentially medics and they were all going on to do F1, F2. So it was it felt very isolating. And then fast forward, like I think two and a half or three years after I'd left, I came across an article in The Guardian that Anjali had written, who's the disillusioned medic. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading the article and for the first time feeling like, oh my God, somebody gets it. Like there's someone out there who's gone through this exact same thing. So I reached out to her and I think at the time it was hilarious because I was just starting up Gaia Medical and I had like, she asked me, I had an idea to start something with her. I can't even remember what it was. And she asked me to pitch it and it must've been the worst pitch. In- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why she she you know, decided to continue speaking to me after, but it was, I just remember <laughs> feeling like absolutely cringing after the phone call. <laughs> she decided to stay in touch. And then we just, we talked about it more and I ended up becoming the head of web development and UX design at the Dissolution Medics. So I take care of the website and, and that sort of platform. And I absolutely love, 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 love the team. Yeah. That is so brilliant. And um, just for our listeners, you know, I connected through the Disillusion Medic and the team is brilliant. You're brilliant. And I'm so glad that all of you, all of us, we're really, you know, empowering a conversation around taking on our lives yeah. and our careers and that people, we know that medics find it difficult to consider or admit or talk about que- and question whether they want to complete their career in medicine, you know, even if it's just a temporary break or completely changing direction. It is a tough conversation to have for all the reasons that we've spoken about and for all the years that we've spent in it. But actually leaving isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's, you know, you want to wake up happy every day. You don't want that 5 p.m. on Sunday feeling of dreading Monday. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely not. And I think it's also just like, you're completely right. And I think just realizing being a medic is not the only way to help people. Mm. I think once I had realized that, I was, I felt more comfortable with the choices I, I had made because I just realized there's so much good you can do in the world, but you also have to be good in order to be, <laughs> to, you know, provide value for other people because there's no point. I, mean, I, was, I was in such a bad place towards the end of fifth year. And had I continued and pushed myself to do F1, F2, which I could have, I just would have been like, just not a nice person to be around, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And, and I completely agree with that. I think the one thing that we, we all have to understand is if, if we're not waking up happy, yeah. we're not going to be showing up happy wherever we are. 
yeah. even if we're around the people we love, even if we're, you know, participating in activities that we love, if we're not innately happy, yeah, then we're going to show up that way. And we can do something about that. You That's can. the great thing. We can do yeah. something about it. And it's not necessarily that, you know, you have to leave. It doesn't need to be such a drastic thing. But I think people need to be aware if they're waking up and feeling so terrible or they're, they're just in, in general feel, feeling really negative about their situations. I mean, of course, if it's a crisis situation, get help or I'm a huge advocate for therapy. I feel like everyone should be mm -hmm. <laughs> in therapy. But at the same time, it is about asking yourself, what can I do to make the situation better? Because you're only going to grow to resent it. And I feel like that's what happened to me. I didn't change anything about, well, I couldn't really change anything about my situation. So I grew to resent it. Mm. That's the last thing that you want. Absolutely. So if there's one message that you have for our listeners, one key thing you want them to take away, what would it be? I think it's just going back to this idea of being true to yourself and really trying to hone in on what your body and your mind is telling you. If you are feeling like, and it's, it's not always just as obvious as really struggling with your mental health or, or you know, like hating your boss <laughs> or something like that. It may be something as subtle as being incredibly moody when you come home from work every day, taking out on your partner, or like I said, waking up in the morning, or sorry, going to sleep and waking up in the morning and dreading the next day. It can be subtle things like that. But I feel like if, if you don't pay attention to what's happening to you in relation to your career, it can really spiral and you can find yourself in a position where it's really hard for you to come out of it. And in terms of doing something about it, Honestly, the best advice I can give for anything is to just start somewhere, as small as that may be, whether it's a conversation, whether it's reading an article. The longer you push away trying to change a situation that isn't good for you, the harder it will be for you to just start somewhere. But even the smallest step is, is a start. So that's my advice. <laughs> Amazing. And one question that I always ask everybody at the end is, in your opinion, what does it mean to be a medic today? Well, I think for me, and this might be a bit of a weird answer, but for me, I think being a medic today means having options. For a long time, it felt like if you were in the medical field, you had to go down a very specific path, you know, not even talking about leaving, even within the career itself, it felt like you started, you knew what the next 20 years were going to look like, um, and you just continued down that path. But I'm meeting more and more people that are making medicine fit around their life rather than making their life fit around medicine, mm. whether that's moving to a different country, exploring a different culture within that, or choosing to go part-time, or leaving entirely, entering a new career, it just seems like there are so many more options now. And I think it's really important that people have options. Amazing. Hannah, this has been such a wonderfully powerful conversation. And I know that our listeners will be able to relate to, to practically everything that you've shared. So thank you for just being there, being vulnerable, sharing your story. It's just been so great. 
Thank you so much for having me. It was so lovely and a fantastic first podcast experience. Amazing. If our listeners want to catch you, where can they find you? Probably the best place to find me is on LinkedIn. I've forgotten my handle, but I'm (laughs) sure you'll provide them with it. Absolutely. I'll put it in the comments. You can also email me at um, hannah at gaiamedical.co.uk. Perfect. Thank you for tuning in to the Medic Today podcast. You can find Dr. Hannah Ali on both Instagram and LinkedIn, and the handles are available in the podcast caption. We would love to hear your thoughts and feedback, so please do leave us a comment at The Medic Today. See you next time for more inspiring and mind-shifting conversations.